Uh, well, good morning. I am excited about sharing. My name is Jonathan Latshaw. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to start off with a funny story about the Paris Foundation really quickly. Christian shared about that. Uh, a couple times ago, we did the Paris Foundation, and, and my daughter, Sela and Cozy, uh, signed up to help. And so they were there helping all night long. And, you know, if you know me at all, you know I, I have to cook a lot of dinners right now because my wife's working and making a lot of money for us. And so I have to, I'm doing the, the, my dinners are much worse than hers. And so I had this great idea. We hadn't had Sloppy Joe in like four years. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make Sloppy Joe. This is going to be great. And so she, Cozy gets home. And I don't know what Sale's doing, but Cozy gets home. And, and I'm like, oh, we saved dinner for you. Here you go. And it was Sloppy Joe. And she had just served like 100 pounds of Sloppy Joe. And she's like, she's like I can't believe you made Sloppy Joe for me. She's like, I want to like look at that and throw up right now. So it was really glorious. It was a wonderful thing. So we're starting this, we're having this series, it's the third week about our Believe in Love series, and the first week Christian did a great job kind of establishing, if you're going to believe in love, what is love? You know, he, just, he, designed, he, he defined it. Whenever I hear what is love, I mean, what is love, you know, baby, you know. We actually kind of thought about, if, could we do like a spoof on that Christian and I, like at a bar, like walking up, but it didn't work. Um, so he defined what love was and talking about how Jesus established uh, the new idea, the new idea of what love is and what it looks like, laying down your life for each other. And then last week he, he tackled, well, if you believe in love, love leads you into action and it leads you into to looking with fresh eyes at the world and saying, what needs to change? Where are people being marginalized? Where are people being pushed away from, from love? Where is there injustice in the world? And it motivates you to make a difference in the world, right? And we all want to be people who make a difference in the world, but, but sometimes we're so consumed with ourselves that we don't really see the needs around us. And so when we choose to believe in love and step into that place of getting God's heart for humanity, we actually step into a place of making a difference and having a greater purpose than just, you know, you know binge-watching your next series on Netflix. And so today I'm going to be talking about believing in love when it's hard to believe in love. And it's easy to believe in love when everything's going well in your life, especially it's easy to believe in God's love when you're feeling blessed and, and you're doing well at work or things are going well in your relationships and you're like, yeah, this is great. You know, I feel close to God. But when it gets hard to believe that God loves you, and we've all been there, when it gets hard to believe that God cares about you, when it's hard to believe that God is involved in our lives. And so we're going to start with a question that we've all asked. Why doesn't God do something about that? And this is a question I think that if you're somebody who's walked with Jesus and followed Jesus for a long time, it's a question you've asked again and again. If you're someone who has not and you've kind of thought about God and you've seen all the, the brokenness and the pain and you've thought, why doesn't God do something about that? It's a question I think that sometimes trips us up and wonders, where is God in this world? Why doesn't he do something about that? And so when we think about this, we all have these ideas of what that is. You know, I'm sure that my wife has prayed this prayer, and that is me. Why doesn't God do something about that? Why is, he, why is he so forgetful, or why is he so annoying? You know, or you might be sitting next to that right now. That might be there, or that might be at home right now, or that might be somebody that you see at work every day or at school. Why doesn't God do something about or a teacher that you have? And then it gets more serious, right? Why doesn't God do something about that sickness or that 
that broken relationship or that dying marriage or, or something like that? Why doesn't God do, where is God right now? And so what I want to ask you guys to do, and we don't usually force you to do anything, but I'm going to force you to do something right now. If you have ever asked this question or some kind of version of this question or thought this question about God, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it up. All right, so look around. Look, keep your hand up. Keep your hand. This is a question that I think most people deal with. This is a question. You, no, keep it. No, no, put it down. Put it down. Oh, you're going to keep it up the rest of the time. <laughs> and eventually you're going to get the other hand up too. It's going to be exhausting. This is a question that's personal, that we've all gone through. And for those of you who haven't raised a hand, you probably don't understand the question. Because we all think about this and wonder, where is God? Where is God in this situation, in this place right now, in this time, this season I'm walking through? And I want to talk about a story that, that, we, that if you've been raised in the church, it's something that you learn in Sunday school. And it's something that it's just like, oh, yeah, I know this story, la, 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 this, what happened, you know. And it's the kind of thing that you just kind of separate yourself from because you know it and you've heard it so many times, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want to talk about a story that actually Jesus kind of steps into to answer this question. And what we love as humans is like easy, simple answers. And I don't think there's an easy, simple answer to this and to a lot of deeper questions of the world. But Jesus kind of offers and gives us something that we can hold on to. And so we're going to look into the story that's recorded in John 11. And it's about Jesus and his interaction with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so what I'm going to ask you guys to do is just try to like put away your, you know the end of the story, you know what's going to happen, and try to like step into it and feel the emotion of this story. Because sometimes it's crazy. There's, there's certain stories in the Bible that we just kind of read through and like, oh yeah. But actually when we sit and think about it, we're like, this is a crazy story. This is insane. And so we're going to do this. John 11. Now John wrote this. He wrote this gospel. He was a disciple of Jesus. So he followed Jesus around. He was a teenager. And so he wrote down all these stories. And so now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, Jesus was about a day and a half, two days travel from where they were in Bethany right now. And so they sent him this urgent message saying, hey, Jesus, the one you love. Now, how would you like to be known as the one Jesus loves, right? That would be pretty amazing. You don't even have to say the name. It's kind of like your best friend. Like, you don't have to, hey, your best friend came by. You don't have to think, well, who is that? Like, Lazarus was loved by Jesus, in fact, actually, when he went to parties, this is his name tag. He just walked around. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus loved me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're bros. Right? He was like loved by Jesus. And, and it wasn't just a passing acquaintance. And the thing is, is that, you know, you have your work friends that you're like cool with at work. And then you have your friends that you like spend time with, that you make effort to be with, that you can be yourself with. This is kind of how Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were with Jesus. Jesus had disciples. He was with them all the time. They were like kind of mostly annoying teenagers that he was trying to keep them all in line. And then there was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That he, they, they loved each other, okay? And so when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And so they're thinking, okay, well, this sickness is not going to end in death. We know this. You know what? Jesus, they have seen Jesus go and heal so many people and do so many incredible things. We're thinking, you know what? We know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to get up, and he's going to run to Bethany to his best friend, and he's going to heal him, and it's all going to be good. And so something happens that's just really crazy. 
And John just wants to reassure us that Jesus really did love Martha and her sister and Lazarus because what Jesus does next, a good friend would not do. It actually, like, it doesn't fit into the box of love. It's like, what are you doing, Jesus? And we'll see what he does right here. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now think about this. Just think about this. Think if you were Jesus and you get a text message from your best friend. Like, hey, we really, you need to get here right now. Your friend is dying. You need to get over here. We know you can do something about it. We've seen you do so much already. Please get over here. And you know, disciples get this message and they're like, oh, we know what's going on. So they all stand up. They're like, we're going to Bethany. And Jesus is like, what are you guys doing? And he's like, we're, like, we're going to Lazarus. He's like, no, no, sit down. What? Why? And he's like, well, we're going to wait. We're going to wait? Yeah, 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 actually, we're going to do nothing. We're going to do nothing? Like, just think about how Jesus was sounding crazy right now. Instead of running to his friend that he loved, he sat there and waited for two days. And so then, you know, probably disciples were just like, okay, well, I guess Lazarus is going to be okay. I don't know. Jesus says it's not going to end death, so it's going to be good. And then he said to his disciples, after two days, let's go back to Judea. And Judea was where Bethany was. He's like, okay, we're going to go. And so... But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. It's actually getting really, really dangerous right now in that area because we're getting closer and closer to when Jesus is crucified. And yet, you're going back? You're going back now? Why do we wait this long? It wasn't that important. Now we're going back. And the problem, Jesus, is when they try to stone you, sometimes they miss. And they might hit us. We don't want to die. This isn't worth it to us. We don't want to go, why are you doing this? And so they're trying to say, hey, hey, Jesus, have you really thought this through? Do you really know what you're doing? How often do we actually think, God, do you really know what you're doing sometimes? Sometimes when he breaks out of our expectation, we're thinking, God, you seem dumb. Right? I mean, I, that sounds really terrible. Don't kill me. But it seems like, you know, God, what are you doing? And he says, aren't you going, you know, and he said, our friend Lazarus, guys, guys, listen. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I need to go there to wake him up. <laughs> You're telling me your friend is sleeping right now, and we're going to travel two days to go and wake him up? Jesus, why are we going to do that? Why is that important? All right, and, it's, and he says, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Do you don't want to wake him up? Sleep is a good thing. You're, you know, antibodies, and you're fighting off the sickness. What are you thinking, Jesus? And Jesus is like, actually, Lazarus is dead. Right? Jesus, you make no sense. Why didn't you just tell us that? And he says, well, listen. And then he says, oh, I'm going back there. Then he says something that is so insensitive to actually his friends and what they're feeling, what they're going through, that actually, it's surprising that John even put it in here because it makes Jesus look really bad. Because this is what he says. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there when Lazarus died. Wait, wait, you're, you're saying, Jesus, you're the only one that like, you know, we've seen that actually heals people and, and saves them and helps them. But, but you're glad you weren't there? Yeah. What? Why are you glad you weren't there? That sounds like you didn't even care about these people when they were suffering. You mean when Martha and Mary were seeing their brother pass away? You're glad you weren't there? Yeah. Well, why? What was so important? So that 
you may believe. So you're saying all of this, this waiting around for two days was just so that we might believe? It's that important that we believe in who you are? That we had to go through this? That you met Martin, you let Mary and Martha or Martha and Mary. I can't decide which one I want to go first. All right. I'm, <laughs> that you may believe, but let us go to him. And so then Thomas, and this is great, because you know, in every family, there's always like the negative person, kind of like the Eeyore of the bunch. And so Thomas is like, to the rest of the disciples, you know, Jesus is getting ready. He's like, well, let us also go, that we may go die with him. Lazarus is dead. Jesus is going to get stoned. Come on, let's all die. Let's go. Come on. Right? <laughs> and I think he actually reflects a lot of what we think sometimes. Like, um, okay, this is just miserable, but let's just do it. There's no other better options. Okay, let's go. And so they, they go, and two days later, on his arrival, Jesus had found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. And so this is significant. Why is four days important? Well, back in the like, ancient Jewish belief, they believed that for three days, the soul hovered over the body. And then on the fourth day, once the body began to decay so much, the soul was like, nah, not going back in there, and gets out. And so there's a chance there's maybe a chance that the, the life could come back in three days. But on the fourth day, it's all over. And so think about this drama that Jesus is walking into. Here are Martha and Mary. They sent out an SOS to Jesus saying, you've got to come right away. Your best friend is dying. We need you now, Jesus. And so he waits. And think about how they were feeling like as they were watching their brother die and pass away. They're just thinking, just hold on. Just hold on for a little. We know Jesus is coming. And I can tell you, I've been in places and times in my life where I'm just like, we need to hold on for a long. We know Jesus is going to do something. We know God has got a plan. And so you're waiting there and he passes away and Jesus hasn't shown up. And then it's time for the funeral and Jesus hasn't shown up. And then they wait one day, two days, just hoping Just maybe Jesus is going to show up. Maybe he's going to break through. Three days, no Jesus. Four days, all hope gone. We know our brother is gone. Jesus, who we thought he was, he's not acting the way that we thought he he would. When it says God is love, this isn't love. This wasn't, what was, where was Jesus and so think about this. Martha is going to meet him at the edge of the city, at the town as he's coming in. And this is what she says. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Why do you think Mary stayed at home? Yeah, she's angry, right? She was like, God, I'm not going to go see him. He didn't come for us. He has, he has helped other people so often, but when I needed his help, his best friends, when we've been there supporting him, loving him, giving him food, giving him money, when we needed him, he let us down. I'm not going out there. And so Mary goes out there and talks to him. You guys keep on correcting me. That's really good. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only, how many times have we thought if only in our lives? Man, if only God had broken through this way. If only I had gotten that job. If only that thing hadn't happened in my life. If only, 
God, you let me down. And she's saying to Jesus, basically, Jesus, you have failed me. I mean, this is real. This is in the Bible. This is what they were feeling towards Jesus. You have let me down. Where were you? I was counting on you. And so Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha, no, this was a common saying back then because the Jewish belief was that everybody would rise again on the final day. And so the idea was, you know, yes, it's kind of like saying when someone passes away, oh, they're in a better place. Oh, oh, they're not in pain anymore. Or, you know, just think they're dancing in heaven. And you're in the place where you're like, I don't even want to think about them dancing. I know, maybe in some area of my mind, I know that's true, but that does nothing for me right now. Right? I don't know if you've ever tried to be comforted while you're going through a really hard time and people are saying what they think is a good idea and you're like, no, this is not working. Get away. Mm-mm, talk to the hand, right? Whatever. <laughs> okay. And so she says, yeah, yeah, I know he will rise again, the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus says something that is so crazy that only either a crazy person would say it or an imposter or perhaps the son of God. He says this. I am the resurrection. You're not waiting to the end of the day. I, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This is crazy that Jesus would say this to a woman who's grieving over her lost brother four days ago, angry at God. Think about Martha. She is confused. She is hurting. She is not understanding what Jesus is saying. And then he says this to her. You're the resurrection? What? And then Jesus looks at her and says this, do you believe this? And I think this is something that he says to all of us at different times. Now, when we were six and we heard about Jesus and, and maybe in Sunday school, and like, do you believe this? And we're like, yeah, we believe this. You know, maybe at 20, you're like, okay, yeah, I still believe this. You know, but then maybe when life starts getting harder and you start dealing with the brokenness of this world and disappointments of following God at times, when you begin to lose people that you love or see brokenness in your relationships, Jesus looks to you and says, do you still believe who I say I am? Do you still believe? And you know, Martha's like, yeah, I I guess so. I mean, I I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming to the world, but I can't, right now, you don't understand, I, I cannot even think right now. And so Jesus says, okay, well, this is what, you got to go get, go get Mary, get your sister, bring her out here. And so Mary, Martha goes and gets Mary, and the two M's come back to him, and they have basically the same kind of conversation. Like, hey, where were you? If you were here, it would have made so much, you know, you would have made everything different than what it is right now. And when Jesus saw Mary weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, I don't think he was angry, right? He was like, surrounded by this and his heart broke for his friends and his heart broke for the people who are grieving who didn't understand who didn't understand him think about how his heart breaks right now for so many people who don't understand him don't understand his love and how he works in this world and he was moved and he was troubled he said where have you laid him he said come and see the lord they replied and then jesus does something so so astonishing so powerful When he gets to the tomb, and we all know this because this is our easiest Bible verse in the whole Bible to memorize, says Jesus wept. And so he wept. This is what I love. Jesus 
He understood where they were. He wasn't a God who was distant and not caring, above it all. Jesus even knew the end of this story, but in their brokenness, in their pain, he, his heart just melted for them. And when we are going through seasons in our lives, when we are confused about where God is, we are wondering whether he loves us, we are sitting in a season of doubt, wondering if God cares, just remember, Jesus wept, and he weeps for you, and he weeps with us, and he cares about the things. It's almost as if he's leaning down right now, because you know, we don't see him right now. He's up there, and he's here, and all that. And so he's leaning down in our brokenness and in our pain. And as we are afraid and surrounded by confusion, he's just saying, I know. I know where you're at. I get it. I care about you. I love you. This is not going to end the way that you think it's going to end. Hold on to me. And so then Jesus said, the Jews said, see how he loved them, right? This is kind of our reaction. Wow, Jesus really did love them. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind, have kept this man from dying? Where was he? Once again, if God's so awesome and so powerful, where was he for the one he loved? And so Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. And it was a cave back then, right? It was a cave with a big old stone in front of it. And they put him in there, laid across the entrance. And he said, take away the stone. And this was unexpected. This did not happen. You did not open up tombs. And I mean, we, we don't do it now either. Once it's done, it's, it's done. And, and they were like, what is Jesus doing? It's, and Martha says this, but Lord, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there four days. It's kind of like Martha's like sticking it to him. It's like, Jesus, you could have come when he was there for one day or two days, or three days, but he's been there for four days. You know what that means. It's hopeless. We're not going to open up. We're not going to humiliate our family's name by everybody smelling our brother. You know, that's really quick aside. Oh, man, I'm doing great with time. Really quick aside. Um, one time, our freezer, our deep freezer, went bad in our neighborhood, and, and it was like in, in July, and so, like, you know, when, and we didn't realize it for, like, a couple of days. So as, when we opened it up, it was, like, terrible. But then we had to take that and put it into our trash container and move it out to, <laughs> into our neighborhood. And um, for, gloriously, I had forgotten to pay our trash bill. And so they didn't come and pick it up. And so it, it happened. I mean, it was like the walking dead in our trash can. Like, it, it smelled up the whole area. There was flies buzzing everywhere. I mean, it was... T- terrible. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. We wanted to roll it over to Christian's house and leave it there. So they would think, you know, like, we were like, embarrassed, right? So, like, a, a bad odor, like, when you smell something dead, it's not pleasant. And so she's like, no, we're not going to do that. And then this is what Jesus did. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see my glory? You will see the glory of God. And so then they took away the stone And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. And I said this for for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And so Jesus is working this whole story up because what he wants to produce in those who interact with him is belief, is trust, is hope, is knowing who he is even when he doesn't do what we want him to do or think he ought to do. And when Jesus had said this, when he said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
Can you imagine what it must have been like? I kind of think, you know, Easter's coming up soon. And so Lazarus, he was totally wrapped up like a mummy. And so it's really fitting because he, when he was coming out, he was probably like this. <laughs> and he, he couldn't even see. He was totally wrapped up. If you saw that, how would you feel? Okay, one more time. There we go. Right? It's like the Easter bunny. Right? The precursor to the great Easter bunny. And says, Jesus, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Do you know why he had to say that? Because nobody was walking towards Lazarus. They were all like, mm-mm. I'm not getting anywhere near that dead guy who's walking or hopping right now, right? And Jesus, Jesus had a great big smile because he knew what happened. He knew what was going on. He said, come on. And then listen, therefore, many of the Jews, understatement of the, war, of the century, who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. And so we get to this idea that God can do anything, right? Based on this story, we see, and then we all know, going past to Easter, what he did in Easter. God can do anything. And so it gets back to this question, why doesn't God do something about that? Why doesn't he? Why does he wait? Why doesn't he just fulfill everything that we think he ought to be doing right now? And it's a major stumbling block for a lot of people wondering why this all-powerful, all-great, all-loving God doesn't do something about that. And this isn't what we, we know, is he can. He can. Every one of your that's he can do something about. But sometimes he waits. And we can trust him in the meantime. Now this isn't like, oh, that solves everything. But it puts us into a place where he says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you hold on to me, if you trust in me, you will catch glimpses of my glory. Even in the hardest circumstances, even in the darkest valley, even when you are alone and afraid and you wonder if there's anything out there that cares about you. If you can just reach out and trust God, if you can believe in him, you will catch his, a glimpse of his glory. And I can tell you from knowing a lot of you, walking with you through trials and times of darkness and trouble, as you look back and you say, oh my goodness, I can see what God was doing in my life during that time. And you know what? I can hold on to him because I know what's coming ahead is so much better than what's behind me. Think about it. Martha and Mary could have just cut Jesus out and said, you know what? You let us down. You failed us. You're done. Get out of here. You're not even welcome into our town. And what would have they missed out? When we shut the door on Jesus, we miss out on catching the glimpse of glory that he has for us. And part of that means trusting God. Part of that means part of trusting God is reaching out. Josh, you can come up. Is reaching out to other people when you're in that place, people who can build you up, love you, care for you. And so I'm asking my friend Josh to come up here. Um, you, people could say he's my best friend, although oftentimes I treat him as an enemy. And uh, uh, he went through a season in his life that I think really fits what we're talking about. Why, God, didn't you do something about that? And so um, Josh is going to share a little bit about his, his journey through this. And um, a little bit about what he learned, and then we're going to end with a song, and we're going to uh, end with some prayer. Hello. 
Hey, guys. All right. So um, I think, first of all, he probably picked me because I'm uh, relatively emotional, so I'll try to get through this without crying. All right, so we'll say. Um, no, I won't cry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so a lot of you know this story, but I'll, I'll tell the short version of it. So about 14 years ago, 13 or 14 years ago, we started a business, and this was in Idaho. We're from Idaho, just so you guys know. Well, actually, I'm from Idaho. All right. Great potatoes, by the way. Um, yeah, so in, in, in the matter of that time, we invested a lot of our own money. We um, ended up investing a lot of other people's money, in clo- in, um, including, like, my parents' money. We got an SBA loan. Um, just, you know, to make a long story short, the, the business failed miserably. The end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I think some, some stuff that really stood out is that we really felt um, before, you know, it, it failed is that God was, God was in that plan and that, you know, he was behind that. And so, you know, when it ended up failing, um, you know, we were devastated. And in particular me, you know, I really, I felt lost. I felt confused. Um, I was devastated and, and I, I was embarrassed. And and not only did uh, we lose a lot of money personally, I lost a lot of my family's money. I lost, you know, I had um, a bank loan that was due, and it, and it, and it really had drug out for, for a couple of years. There was, there was a year that I didn't even take a paycheck because I was trying to, to um, sell the business and to salvage it as, as much as, as I can, and it, it, was, it was tough. And I think um, I really struggled in that time feeling like a complete failure at times, um, I questioned my relationship sometimes with God, and I just wondered how that, you know, it really could end well. And, and that was just certain times. It wasn't all times. I'll get to the positive part as well. Um, I think a lot of times when I, was, when I was younger, I really felt like my identity was wrapped up in how well I did or the things that I did really well. And um, this really challenged that. It really challenged um, what my true identity was. And, and I, I think that was a really good thing. Um, so what really stood out to me during this time was even though, you know, it was really tough, you know, that God's hand was in it the whole time. And I look back and I, and I see time and time again where he just continued to pursue me with his love. And, what, and a couple ways that he did that was with relationships. I mean, that could have really ruined family relationships. And, and um, especially with my parents, I've never been closer to my parents. I've never been closer to my family. And you know, he just brought restoration to all those type of things with, with relationships. And I also, I have some of the strongest friendships I've ever had. God brought me, um, we came out here. I don't know if we would have came out here. Maybe we would have. Um, but I have a job now that I have a dream job um, where I get to, you know, teach kids and I get to coach and I get to influence, you know, hundreds of kids a year. And I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. And I think another thing is I just got to be part of an incredible community where I could just press in and, and they were there for me. I spent time and time again with friends um, crying and just being, yeah, crying, there it is again, um, <laughs> crying and, you know, just leaning in on them. And God used all those things in a very tangible way. It didn't have to be like just this overarching piece because sometimes there wasn't. Sometimes it was just people sitting with me and being there with me and being there with us. And, you know... Um, on top of that, the spiritual aspects and the emotional aspects, it was very, very stressful, you know, financially. And we saw God's provision a lot of different times through um, 
Christine's parents' generosity, my parents' generosity, our, our friends and our family's generosity. And also, like I said, I, I got an incredible job during that time. And so time and time again, we saw his, his provision. Um, and he, even though there was times of doubt, you know, God met us. And we learned to trust in his, in his goodness and his, in his plan. And I think a lot of times, you know, at the time, I really thought that, I thought that the plan was for me to be successful in that moment and for me to, you know, take over the world with our, our, our business plan. And, <laughs> and it really, you know, the crazy thing is, just looking back, is that the plan was still perfect, even though there was, there was um, you know, hard times and stuff. But his plan is always good. His love is always good. And it, it carried us through that. And I don't believe for a second that God wanted us to fail, but I do um, believe that he could use that to, to build something in me. And um, I, I truly believe God can use what we think are failures or even um, tragedies to show us his love and to build a foundation for belief in the love, um, even in those hard times. So that's for me. All right. I just think that God is invested in our faith and he wants our faith to not just be something that's circumstantial or just when things are going well and then when bad things happen to us or to the people that we care about we just fall apart and we run away from God and we kick and scream I think he's working on developing a deeper faith that that goes far greater than than what what happens and you know can God can God do something about that yeah he can but sometimes he waits and sometimes we need to trust him while he's waiting. We need to develop that trust. We need to grow in that place. Can God do that? Yes. Yes, he can. That's our faith. You know, it's like this tension, like he can do it, but sometimes he waits because he's developing a greater faith in us. Can we have faith when we are struggling, when we're confused, when we're doubting? Yes, we can. Do we need to fake it? No, we don't. We need to be honest with where we're at. We need to talk to people. Like Josh said, reach out to other people. Get them to pray for us. We need each other. This world tears people apart. You know, it's hard. But as we carry faith, we encourage each other on. And that's why we pray for each other. That's why we interact with each other. That's why we're desperate for community. That's why we need each other. And so, to end this time, you can get prayer. So over there, Josh is going to be over there. He can pray for you. You're struggling. If you're in a season right now where you're, you're, you're struggling with your faith, um, if, you're, if you're having a hard time feeling loved by God, or if you feel confused or hurt by God, if you feel like God's let you down, you know what? Don't just sit there in that. Reach out to someone else and say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm struggling in this. All right? Or you can reflect on the meaning behind the story that we just talked about. If you continue to trust God through your pain, he will eventually show you his glory. What does it mean to tr- in your life to trust God? How does knowing that God isn't too big or too distant to understand your pain change your perspective on suffering? Has a painful circumstance ever caused you to question God's love for you? So you can think about those questions while you're sitting here while we're playing some music, or then you can sing. So let's just stand up together. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we know that you care so greatly for each person in this room. I just pray that you would just continue to reveal your love for us, God. And I pray for any person who's struggling with that question, God, why don't you do something about that? Or maybe there's been something that's happened in their lives that, that has just been like a, just 
a place where they have been paralyzed in their walk and their faith with you. And that you would just begin to just reach out. Show us your love, God. I pray that people who are struggling in a season right now of confusion, of wondering where you're taking them, or even just a, a season of, of like feeling like you led them into something and now it's not working out, like kind of like what Joshua's sharing. We just pray, God, that you would just reach us now. And Jesus, I pray for any person who has struggled to believe in you or, or hasn't said yes to you. I want to I follow you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would just show them your love in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you have the power to do anything. But you also want to grow us to believe in you more and more, and so you wait. And so, God, we just choose to trust you in our lives, trust you with the little things and the big things. God, you are with us. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're not distant. Thank you that you don't leave us alone in this world, that you love us. So, Jesus, we love you now. So we're going to sing some, get some prayer if you need that.